Welcome to The Bomar Show. We are your hosts, Josh and Sarah Bomar. We hope this podcast will motivate, educate, and entertain you. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to The Bomar Show. We are on episode 21, and today I will be filming a solo podcast. I know it's been a little bit since we have uploaded, actually about six weeks to be exact. Um, just a lot of just a lot of things going on, getting ready for baby, trying to cram as much business and work in before she arrives, and family things, you know, just the whole nine yards, everything that everyone else deals with, we deal with as well. So apologies on the lack of uploads, but I did want to film this because I seem to be getting a lot of the same questions when it comes to pregnancy. And I want to start off by saying I am not a doctor. I am not anything other than a pregnant woman. Yes, I am AFPA certified in prenatal and postpartum fitness. I am a certified personal trainer. I am a fitness nutrition specialist, but this does not mean that you should take my advice or answers to these questions as the end all be all. Every pregnancy is different. I know everyone has heard that. Every conception is different. Every breastfeeding scenario is different. So if something that I say does not necessarily align with what your doctor has told you, you can bring that up and ask them. But at the end of the day, they are the ones that you should be listening to, period. So just wanted to put that out there. Again, please do not take what I say as the gospel. This is just my experience. So I am officially 37 weeks pregnant today. So technically I am full term. If the baby came tomorrow, she would not be a premature baby. She would be full grown, full term, even though I would like her to go until 40 weeks, just so I can get as much stuff done as I possibly can. I am in no rush. I can't wait to meet her, but I am not wishing this time away in order to get as much done and as many things ready as I possibly can. So again, 37 weeks today. My technical due date is July 29th, even though only 5% of babies are actually born on their scheduled due date. So we're going to dive right on in. I made a post on Instagram today saying that I was going to be recording this solo podcast and it's just going to be all Q&A based. I will be answering them in no particular order. I will be answering the ones that I see quite frequently. I also have a blog on my entire pregnancy journey on sarahbomar.blogspot.com. And on this blog, I break everything down by conception and then by each appointment. And then I also have a ton of resources on there from the books that I am reading, the books that Josh is reading, um, the classes that I am that we are both taking online, all of the supplements that I am using, um, our products or not, and then also the nursery and all of the postpartum products that I have purchased for myself in a few weeks or sooner. So all of that, again, is on sarahbomar.blogspot.com. That blog will be up for the end of time. So even if you aren't pregnant right now and you just enjoy listening to the sweet serenade of my voice and it doesn't really apply to you, that content is never going to go away. Neither will this podcast. So we're just going to dive right on in to 
the questions and I'm, I'm not going to answer obviously all of them because this podcast would be 90 hours long, but definitely the ones that I see um, being asked most frequently. So the first question, what point in your marriage did you decide you were ready or not? So Josh and I always said from day one, we wanted to be married for five years before we had a baby. Obviously, if it happened sooner than that, it wasn't going to be the end of the world, but we had a lot of travel that we wanted to get done before we have a baby. Not that you can't bring a baby on your travels or anything like that, but it's just much easier when it's just the two adults. So we had a lot of travel that we wanted to get done. We had a lot of trips that we wanted to do, and we had a goal for our businesses that we wanted to have established before bringing a life into this world. So we always said five years, and we ended up being able to announce our pregnancy on our five-year wedding anniversary. So I'm a firm believer in if you speak it enough and if you believe it, it will actually happen. And it did for us. So as far as like knowing when you're going to be ready, that's going to look different from couple to couple. Some couples may say, once we are in our dream home, then we'll start having, you know, then we'll start trying. Or once we move, then we'll start trying. So it really is dependent from couple to couple. But just know, even if you cannot have a child, I, I know I'm going to touch on this several times during this podcast. Even if you cannot have a child of your own, that does not mean you are not already a family. And I think a lot of people have a child in order to hope that they will that that will fix their marriage, that it will bring you closer as a married couple. And I just don't think that is the case. So you definitely want to make sure that, you know, your relationship is rock solid. It's a good foundation because you're going to be setting the example for that child for the rest of their life. So that's kind of my kind of my answer. Um, and then someone asked, what do you think of placenta encapsulation? So full disclosure, I will be doing placenta encapsulation and as well as cord blood banking. I know that question is asked throughout these questions. Um, but as far as placenta encapsulation goes, this is a process that has been done for thousands and thousands of years in Chinese medicine. And it's fairly new as far as, you know, the United States and how it goes. Um, so basically, uh, placenta encapsulation means you will collect the placenta after it passes. So after it's part of the afterbirth and you will collect it, you will put it in a cooler and the organization that you have organized prior to birth to do the actual encapsulation will either come to pick it up from the hospital or you mail it in like a dry ice freezer cold cooler. For us personally, I have found someone local to do it so we don't have to mail anything, which is really nice. So I basically, the doctor will put it into this like ice cream looking container. We'll keep it in the cooler until um, the girl can actually get to the hospital and she will pick it up. She will take it, um, you know, and start working on it. So it gets dehydrated, it gets cleaned, and it gets powderized and then put into pill form. And there are a ton of benefits on placenta encapsulation. I'm going to just read a few of them. Obviously, I have never done this before, so I have nothing to compare it to. However, the women 
um, that I follow that have done it, that have had multiple pregnancies where they didn't do it for one, but they did it for another said that it made a world of a difference for them. So, and you also can only take your own placenta, obviously. So if you like, if your spouse is like, this will be funny, like they might not have the best (laughs) results from it. So definitely don't try to like trick someone into consuming your placenta. I think I saw that on the Kardashians once. Um, Courtney like tried to trick them into eating it. So don't do that. It's very hormonal and could make other people sick. So the benefits of you taking your placenta, increase in milk production, restoration of iron levels in the blood, a decrease in postpartum depression levels, an increase in CRH, which is a stress reducing hormone, and then an increase in the hormone oxytocin, which helps the uterus return to normal size and encourages bonding with the infant. So there's a lot of fun benefits to it. Um, I'm very excited to see how my body responds to it um, and give you guys even more feedback postpartum. Okay, the next question. Did you have any early symptoms before a missed period? So Josh and I were trying to have a baby. We were fortunate enough to get pregnant month one. We've talked about this a few times on previous podcasts. And I don't say that to boast. I don't say that to try to make anyone feel bad. That was just our story. So I've been tracking my cycle for two and a half to three years so far. Obviously not now because I'm not having one. Um, But as soon as I got off birth control, I started tracking my cycle. And it was honestly almost to the day. Every 28 to 29 to 30 days, I was having, um, you know, I was having a cycle. And we were able to plan it really well based on that because of all the homework that I had been doing for several years prior to that. So there weren't really many symptoms. I, and, and everyone's like, I just felt pregnant. Well, (laughs) you say that after you have a confirmed pregnancy test. So I'm not actually quite sure. Like it's very nerve wracking, especially when you are trying to get pregnant. And this is something that I'll touch on later. Like it's honestly astonishing that we have survived as a species, given how much can go wrong while trying to conceive and then also while pregnant, but that's going to be further in the podcast. Um, so there weren't really many signs other than a missed period. I waited until five days after my missed cycle, just because the tests are so much more accurate, the longer that you wait. And I didn't want to take a test, you know, two days before my missed period, get a, you know, a false positive or a false negative or, you know, whatever, and then be discouraged and be stressed out and, you know, put my body through that. So I waited five days until after my missed period and obviously had a positive pregnancy test. So no real symptoms other than missed period at that point in time. So the next question Um, (laughs) there's some really funny ones. Um, so this is a very hot topic. The best ways to have a fit pregnancy. And there's a lot of variations of this question. And this will probably be the longest answer that I give because obviously I am so incredibly passionate about it. So in terms of having a fit pregnancy, and this is what your doctor will tell you. And this is what everyone everywhere will tell you. You can continue to do what you have already done when you become pregnant. So I don't recommend, you know, I don't recommend starting to run a 5k or anything like that when you become pregnant, if you have never been a runner before. But if you've been running and your doctor says you can continue to run, then 
by all means, continue to run. So the most important thing is that you just continue to do what you have been doing. Obviously, as pregnancy progresses, you will have to reduce your workload and your intensity and possibly the weights if you are weight training. That's just because your lungs get smaller. You have way more blood in your body, about five pounds more. So your heart rate will increase. You will have exhaustion. You may have morning sickness. You may be fatigued. You may get some vertigo. You may get dizzy. So there are some things that may limit you in what you can do, but that does not mean that you should stop altogether unless your doctor says you literally cannot work out. You have too many complications. I don't want to see you working out or exercising in any way. So again, very personal, very individualized as far as what your doctor tells you to do or not do. But the general rule of thumb is that you can continue to do what you have been doing while you are pregnant because you were obviously, you know, you were able to get pregnant doing what you are doing. So in theory, you should be able to continue to do what you are doing while pregnant. And there are a ton of benefits to remaining active while pregnant. And I want to go through a few of them because there's just this stigma of you're going to harm your baby if you continue to work out and keep yourself healthy while being pregnant. Like it just, it blows my mind that society says, oh no, eat for two. You need that ice cream. You need those French fries. You need the pickles and the cheese and the whatever, whatever. That's society. And they're like, no, it's okay. Just kick your feet up. You don't have to do anything for 10 months. That is not healthy. And that is a way to set yourself up for a lot of birthing complications. Gaining too much body fat will put such a strain on your pregnancy. It will put such a strain on getting the pregnancy weight to go bye-bye. Once you have had the baby, it sets you up for gestational diabetes. It sets you up for preeclampsia. It sets you up for so many things that it's just mind-blowing that society would shame fit women but encourage encourage the laziness. Just take it easy for 10 months. Eat whatever you, you're eating for two. You are not eating for two. <laughs> I will get to that later in this podcast. You are not eating for two. You are eating for one person who is growing another. And the majority of the time, they were under four pounds. So think about how much food a four-pound human would eat. So as far as benefits of remaining active while pregnant, obviously it helps reduce the risk of gestational diabetes, which is the number one pregnancy complication that all women have. It helps the mom recover faster, keeps mom's BMI at a healthy rate, Gets more oxygen to the baby and the placenta, which is huge and has been scientifically proven that fit mothers produce smarter children because they had more oxygen coming to them while inside the womb. Um, strengthens mom's heart and blood vessels, helps reduce back pain. Active women have been proven to have easier and shorter labors with fewer complications. Obviously, all of the mental benefits that come with the endorphin release of remaining active your postpartum exercise helps improve mood, and it can also help reduce reduce the risk of deep vein thrombosis. On top of a mirage of other amazing benefits, this is something that if you can remain active, do not let your sisters, brothers, dentist, dog walker tell you some freak story 
well, my yada, 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 they worked out and they had, you know, they had all these complications. She didn't tell you that they had all those complications, period. There's no scientific evidence based on the ACOG's findings that says any exercise can harm your child or cause complications. None whatsoever. So there's really no need to fear being active when you are pregnant. Now, I was very blessed. I did not have any morning sickness. My sister did not have any morning sickness with her children. My mom did not have any morning sickness with any of us. I do think it is genetic. I cannot speak to someone who is sick for the first trimester or even longer. I feel for you. I hurt for you. If you can get up and walk or even move, even any sort of movement at all, will be better than nothing. But again, you need to listen to your body and you need to listen to your doctor's orders. So if anyone shames you as well, this I know I saw these questions um, later in my little poll, but if anyone shames you, whether it's someone in the gym, someone online, someone you know in your family or a coworker, you just need to politely tell them, hey, look, I cleared this with my doctor. It has been proven that women who are active have fewer complications while they are pregnant. It makes me feel good, and I don't want to gain a ton of unnecessary weight. I am following what my doctor has told me. I am listening to my body. I am adjusting as I need, and there's no reason for you to be giving me an opinion because you are not my doctor. That's what I would say, but you can, you can you know, reword that. Reword that however you want. So let's just keep on. Told you that it was like a seven and a half minute answer. And this is why I love recording podcasts because I get these questions and I just feel like I get these DMs and I get, I feel so bad because I can't sit there and spew all of this information to every single person that asks. So I'm so happy that I decided to record this podcast. That way I can give people a place to go and listen if they are truly interested. So I really appreciate you guys asking me these questions. That way I can give the answer that everyone honestly deserves because there's a lot of bad information out there. A lot of bad information. And some of that information is free. And some of that information you guys are paying for and it is crap information. So I mentioned this on my Instagram a few days ago. I did get... AFPA prenatal and postpartum fitness certified, which is just great, which basically means obviously I'm already a certified personal trainer, but it now allows me to train and coach pregnant and postpartum women. So what I'm going to do with that certification is com- com- <laughs> words is create a free pregnancy guide for you guys. I already have the notes outlined and ready to go. Um, just a little quick sneak peek. We're going to talk about supplements. We're going to talk about conception month, trimester one, two, and three, postpartum, and then go into all of the workouts, calories needed, um, breastfeeding, different ways to recover from different types of births, etc. So that guide will be completely free to you guys all the time. I just want a place for people to have a fit, safe, and healthy pregnancy 
with legit information from someone who is certified to be giving it. So that will come after I give birth. I just have a lot going on right now, but I am working on it. That way I get it out to you guys as soon as humanly possible. So if you're listening to this podcast in like September, this is probably already available. You can definitely check out, it'll be probably listed on my blog, um, on my Instagram, all the fun places. So that will be coming for everyone who is either pregnant, trying to conceive, or going through their own postpartum journey. Okay, let's see here. What are you using to combat hip pain? So this is something that I'm actually very passionate about. I've been seeing a chiropractor before I got pregnant, way before I got pregnant, for several years before I got pregnant. But it is especially helpful after you have conceived and are pregnant with a child to get regular chiropractic appointments. That might mean for you twice a month. For me personally, I am going every week. You need to find a chiropractor who is certified in prenatal care in order to be working on you and giving you the care that you are there for. Not every chiropractor is certified in prenatal chiropractic care. So you definitely want to make sure that you are you have found someone that is because the adjustments are a little bit different. Obviously, as you get further into your pregnancy, you can't lay on your stomach past week 20 or you're not supposed to. You can't really stay on your back for an extended period of time. There's just a lot of different things that need to be worked around. And you definitely want to make sure that you are going to someone who is certified to be helping you. I have not had any hip pain. Literally at all. So um, I attribute that a thousand percent to the chiropractic work that I've um, had. I also attribute it to the cardio that I do every single day. I walk three to five miles on my treadmill. It's literally 100 degrees. So don't feel like you have to walk outside. Um, it's literally 100 degrees today in Iowa. But it, I, I get a lot of work done on my treadmill and I enjoy it and I enjoy the movement. And like I said, zero hip pain at all. Okay, so we're just going to keep moving right along. Explain the pelvic floor work that you have been doing and how we can find someone local. Okay, so all, all of the information that I've been talking about as far as pelvic floor work is all linked on my Instagram under the baby highlight. As far as finding someone local, I didn't find anyone local. I was self-taught with the pelvic floor stuff and my certification also covered this in depth and I will be covering this in depth in my pregnancy guide that will be free to you guys. I highly recommend checking out my baby highlight on my page, but if you are looking for someone local, you just need to look for a pelvic floor specialist or a physiotherapist in your area. I know right now with the pandemic and everything, that might be a little challenging, but there are a lot of certified people in your area if what I post for free, if you just need more than what, um, what I post for free. Okay. Currently trying to conceive any tips on tracking ovulation. I came off the pill of 11 years. I'm in the same boat. I was on the pill for almost 15 years and I have linked what I was using to track ovulation. So it's your basal metabolic temperature. And then it has an app along with it as well that will track when you are projected to ovulate and it gives you all the graphs and the charts and everything else that goes along with ovulation that helps um, 
track when your cycle is actually going to happen. So that is linked. The tool that I used, it's on Amazon Prime. It's very quick. It's very easy. Um, and you just have to take your temperature at night before you go to bed. And it, the app will do literally everything for you. So that is linked on my blog. So will you consider sharing your postpartum journey? I don't know why people think I'm not going to post postpartum stuff. Yes, absolutely. I will be sharing my postpartum journey again with the caveat that everyone is different. I may be cleared to lift at week two and work out at week two where some people may have to go up until week six in order to begin working out again. It's all about how you took care of yourself while pregnant. What do we always, what do I always say? My favorite quote this entire pregnancy, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of the cure. So the more you can do during your pregnancy, the easier your postpartum journey will become. What have you already purchased to prepare for postpartum? Again, all of that is linked on my blog, but the main things I got, witch hazel, I got some cooling pads because my plan is to breastfeed if I can. Um, and then just a lot of like care for down there. Um, I know there's maybe some men listening, but there's a lot that can like just cause you irritation during your postpartum journey. There's a lot of bleeding. So just think of it as a really bad period and think about all the things you would need <laughs> to handle that. Um I also see a lot of questions for what is in my hospital bag. So I have counseled with several of my friends who have given birth this year, and they all say the same thing. Less is more. So just think of think of the things that you personally would need if you were going to go on a two-day trip. Toiletries, um, you know, a change of clothes. Obviously, you're going to be in a hospital bed, so you want to make sure that it's comfortable your charging cord, your computer, your makeup, um, slippers, a robe, all the things that you would want to be comfortable in the hospital. Now, as far as what you need for baby, they every hospital will be different and every hospital will provide different things. As far as I know, the hospital we are delivering at is very gracious with all of the baby things that they give you. So as far as like you don't need to bring diapers, you don't need to bring wipes, you don't need to bring anything like that. What you do need to bring, obviously, the swaddle that you want to use your baby in, burp cloths, clothes for the baby, the announcement, you know, if you're going to use like a little plaque or a custom baby onesie, baby's go-home outfit, and then obviously the car seat. Some things that people have mentioned that they wish they had brought. The number one thing was chapstick. I don't know if it's super dry in the hospital, but that's like everyone's number one recommendation was to not forget chapstick. And then obviously you need things like your driver's license, your insurance card. I do highly recommend pre-registering for your hospital. We did not get to take a hospital tour because the hospitals are not allowing that. They're also not allowing birth classes. So because we were able to pre-register, now I don't have to sit there and have contractions while trying to figure out, you know, my insurance, medical member ID and all that stuff that you really don't want to be worrying about while um, <laughs> while having contractions in the waiting room. So highly recommend pre-registering if you can. 
Um, what's the weird, what's been the weirdest body change I've never been pregnant? I would say the weirdest body change that I really didn't expect was, especially in the third trimester, I, I haven't been very hungry. Obviously the baby, she's probably about six and a half pounds right now, which is a very large creature to be inside of you and your organs move around so much. The human body, especially the female body, is just truly incredible. The fact that we are able to give birth to children and our bodies know what to do and the baby knows what to do. The fact that she knows that she needs to be head down at 35 weeks. Like, what? Like, <laughs> how is that even possible? Um, so that's been the weirdest, I think, like, body change is just, I thought I was going to be this like ravenous human being. And in in the third trimester, I've actually really had to remind myself to eat. I've had to eat a lot of smaller meals and eat more frequently throughout the day, which is very strange for me because obviously I am in the fitness industry and, you know, we're taught a lot of structure as far as meals and meal timing. But these last eight or 10 weeks, I've just had to like remind myself like, oh my gosh, like I still have a thousand calories to eat the rest of the day and I'm only going to be awake a few more hours. So I'm like constantly like just grazing in the kitchen, which is really funny to me. Um, let's see here. Was it hard to choose a name? Um, the name thing is really funny. So yes and no, it, you find out real quick what names you don't want. And then to try to narrow it down to a name that you do like, a name that's not overly popular, but a name that's not too old. For us, the the first name was fairly simple. Oddly enough, the middle name was a lot more difficult than the first name. Um, but I think, I think, you know, and you know, you and your, you and your spouse will, you'll know as soon as you hear it. They also have a baby name app where you can sync it up to your partner and then you can, it's like Tinder for names. So you can like swipe left or swipe right. And then if you and your spouse have a match, it'll show you that way. You're not like, Oh, well, I think I like this name. And then based on that influence, you think you might like it. It's actually if you like it or not, which is pretty fun. I don't, I think it's called baby names. So definitely download that if you, um, if you're trying to figure out a name. Um, okay. Let's see the next question. So many fitness questions. So I'm glad I spent the time to answer, answer all of that. Another Cairo question. Um, anything you wish you did before you became pregnant that would have helped because we were planning to have the baby and my blog touches on this as well. Um, you know, I am not a fertility expert by any stretch, not a fertility expert. However, it is recommended that you start taking your prenatal three months prior to conception actually highly recommended and then it's also been studies several studies have been shown that um you should stop or limit consuming you should stop or limit the use of caffeine while trying to conceive as that sometimes can be an issue if you do have underlying fertility issues again not an expert but just some things that i was finding while we were conceiving um, how have you been dealing with all the mommy shamers out there? Sad face. So this is a huge problem. Every single person that I've ever spoken to 
that is a mother has said, someone has shamed me at work, someone has shamed me in my family, someone has shamed me online, a stranger has shamed me, the shaming needs to stop. You do not know better than the mother unless you see a mom giving their child a crack pipe in the front seat of a car that's unbuckled. Maybe then we call the police. But other than that, you can rest assured that unless someone has asked you for their for your advice, they don't want it. Being a mom or being pregnant is hard enough and it's scary enough and the world doesn't need more negativity. You know, if you really are concerned, oh, that's interesting that you're doing, you're using um, X, Y, and Z stroller. Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. I think, you know, what kind of stroller did you use? And if you open up that kind of communication instead of like, that's the dumbest stroller in the entire world. Are you trying to kill your baby? That's a little off-putting and a little polarizing. So my platform, obviously, I have quite a large following and quite a lot of people with opinions. Um, but if anyone's being just super nasty to me, I'd honestly just block them. I know you can't block people in real life. Maybe you can but um, that's kind of my solution. If, if, if I can tell that the person is not trying to have an adult conversation or trying to be considerate of my feelings or trying to actually help, I just don't have the time for that, and neither does any new mom. So that's, that is that. Um, how do you know what to eat to stay healthy during pregnant? Do you stick to the same macros? Okay, so this is where I was going to talk about the calories. So unless your doctor tells you otherwise, unless your doctor tells you otherwise, <laughs> unless your doctor tells you otherwise, you do not need any additional calories in the first trimester. I know it sucks. In the second trimester, you need about 300 additional calories above your maintenance and then in the third trimester, you need 450 calories above your maintenance. And then if you are breastfeeding, you need 500 additional daily calories above your maintenance. So your macro percentage will probably stay the same. Um, I know with a few things with pregnancy, fasting is not recommended and low carb or keto is not recommended. So definitely want to make sure, you know, if you do have diet questions, always ask your doctor um, or a registered dietitian who is certified in prenatal and postpartum care if you are wanting a meal plan from them. But yeah, as far as, and that's what I was talking about earlier, you're not eating for two. If your maintenance calories are at 2,000, that does not mean that you should be consuming 4,000 calories a day. The majority of the time you are feeding something that is smaller than a banana. So think how few calories that child or person or thing would actually need um, <laughs> to grow and survive. Okay, next question. I really want a boob job, but everyone is telling me to wait after babies. Help. I'm not a plastic surgeon. I have had two breast augmentations, one when I was 19, one again when I was 25 because I wanted to go bigger, and now I am 31. Will I have to have them redone after I'm done having children? Maybe. I don't know. I would assume some things are going to shift and move around, but as of right now, my boobs haven't gotten any larger. So if you want to get a boob job, I highly recommend planning a, con a consult with a plastic surgeon and expressing 
your concerns with them. I wouldn't recommend getting a boob job and then getting pregnant like three months later. That might not feel the best, but um, yeah, definitely talk to a plastic surgeon. Have you been able to refrain from sleeping on your back completely? It is so hard. I've never been a back sleeper. I am a stomach sleeper. So again, you can't sleep on your stomach the whole time. It's very frustrating for me, but I bought an awesome pregnancy pillow that is linked on my blog that has really helped me. It's most beneficial to sleep on your left side while pregnant just to get more blood flow to all of your important organs as well as to the baby. So that has helped me quite a bit um, in the sleep department. Best place for accurate info online. Obviously, doctor is number one, but for personal research. So this is a great question. I am a huge proponent of self-research. Obviously, you need to be consulting with your doctor. A lot of doctors are old school, though, and they won't even tell you that you're allowed to have protein powder, which is really freaking crazy to me because it's no different than actually consuming (laughs) meat or eggs, but that's beside the point. Um... So I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of self-research. I think it's all about how you are researching. If you are going to Google, will tuna make me have a lizard baby? You'll probably find things that will confirm that tuna, in fact, will make you have a lizard baby. Instead of searching, how much tuna can I have while pregnant? That is a much more open-ended question that will set you up for legitimate research that will prove or disprove what you are actually trying to find. There is an option on Google as well to search published medical journals that I think are way more valuable than Susie down the street, Susie down the street dot blogspot.com who has actually never been pregnant before, but Karen from work told her that she ate tuna one time and her baby had a tail. So definitely make sure that the resources that you are using are legitimate and that they come from someone with children. So always fun when someone gives you input and they have never been pregnant. It's like, how are you giving me input? Whatever. Um, let's see. Cord blood banking is interesting to hear more of. Yes. This is something that I wanted to touch on. Again, this is also something that we are doing. So cord blood banking basically means at the end of your pregnancy, after you have given birth, the doctor, you have to tell them beforehand, the doctor will take the um, the tissue and the blood out of the umbilical cord, put it in the kit that you provide them, and that is composed of stem cells and tissue. This can help save your child's life in the future. It can also be a match for spouses or siblings if they themselves need some sort of stem cell rejuvenation or have a certain type of cancer that stem cells can help with. It's a very incredible process. Um, I have the company that we are using, again, linked on my blog if you want to request more information on it. The cost of storing (coughs) Rona, Um, I'm just kidding. I've been talking for 30 minutes. Hold on. Okay, got a drink. Um, So anyways, the company, the, the website can give you all the information on it, but you just need to let your doctor know ahead of time. You need to register ahead of time. That way the kit can be sent to you. And then the storage fees just depend on the company that you go with. If you want to pay by the year or if you want to pay 
for the child's 18 years that they are under your legal care. So, um, again, could be life-saving for the baby, could be life-saving for the spouse, the parent, um, or like your spouse, not the baby's spouse. Um, so the parents or the siblings, which is phenomenal. Okay. A lot of questions on the registry. So this is something that I did say that I would start to link once I started using products. Um, I do know that some people just never follow a registry. I know I spent like 12 hours on our registry and still obviously got things that weren't on it, which is fine. Very, very, you know, blessed and grateful that people got us things. Um, I ended up buying all the other stuff that I wanted off the registry for myself just because I knew I wanted it. So I will be sharing that information once I actually use the products because I know like I got a few different types of bottles and I got a few different types of you know, swaddles and things like that. So because I don't know which thing I will like and I don't know which things the baby will like. So I don't I don't feel right recommending something until I have actually tried it myself. But I will um, I will be linking those once I use them and once they have my stamp of approval. Someone is asking about supplements and pregnant and breastfeeding. Doctors don't feel comfortable recommending. So a doctor will never recommend a supplement. You need to bring a supplement to your doctor. And if they tell you that you cannot use a supplement, you need to ask why. This does not just apply to Bomer Nutrition supplements. A lot of women become very malnourished while pregnant because your body will prioritize the child's needs over your own. So a lot of women become calcium deficient. The child will actually start to leach calcium from your own bones. So a lot of women become calcium deficient. A lot of women become iron deficient. All of these are supplements. So don't just think that only protein and pre-workout are supplements. Anything that you are taking in a pill or powder form to supplement into your diet outside of what you are consuming in whole food form is considered a supplement. So I don't know any doctor on the face of the earth that's telling anyone to not take a prenatal. So they are in fact recommending supplements in some way. Um, so if you, if you come to your doctor and you say, Hey doc, I am really struggling eating meat. I've had a lot of meat aversions. I know I need to be getting my protein in. I can only eat so many eggs a day. Do you think it would be okay for me to supplement two out of my six meals with a collagen powder and a protein powder? Here is the product that I was thinking of using. It's from bomernutrition.com subtle plug. Um, they have open labels on their website. Their products are certified. Um, I'm sorry, their products are manufactured in an FDA certified and GMP compliant facility. Their products are tested in an ISO 17,025 lab. They post all of their COAs, their, um, microbials and heavy metals are extremely below the industry standard for what is considered safe. Do you think that this would be fine for me to take? I've been taking it for over a year. I was able to conceive while taking it and I really think that it will help me get more protein in throughout the day. That's the way you approach supplements with a doctor. You don't just say, hey doc, like, do you think a pre-workout with 250 mgs of caffeine is going to work for me? 
with no context? No, they're going to say absolutely not. So you need to be prepared when it comes to supplements and you need to bring them the labels or even the product. And you need to be well aware that they may say no, but you as the patient and you as the pregnant person are allowed to ask why or why not. And if they cannot give you an answer, you may want to find a different doctor and that's okay. So don't ever be afraid to switch caregivers if they cannot answer the questions that you are giving them, uh, that you are asking them in a way that actually gives you some sort of tangible thing. Because if they say, if you bring them freaking Walmart protein and they say, no, actually there's too much X, Y, and Z in that. I recommend you finding a different brand. That's a lot more helpful than just ruling out protein powder altogether. So I, again, have all of my supplements that I'm taking through Bomer Nutrition and then outside of Bomer Nutrition saved, listed, and linked on my blog, which again is sarahbomar.blogspot.com. Okay, I think that answers pretty much all of the common ones that I was seeing on my little um, question box that I asked you guys for help with. I hope this was helpful. I hope it gave you the answers in depth that you deserve. Again, the free pregnancy guide will be coming after I give birth. I have my blog. I have my baby highlight on my Instagram. Just a lot of resources for you guys in hopes of making your pregnancy and postpartum journey that much more enjoyable.